You know, uh, one thing I've realized uh, over the past uh, couple months uh, is there is no shortage of great moments in the life of Christ. And uh, I was having a hard time trying to figure out, okay, what, what is the greatest moment? And, uh, you know, one thing you see about Jesus is that great moments in his life often lead to defining moments in the lives of others. And we'll read here in Matthew 19, verse 16. It says, Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then Come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The uh, title of our lesson this morning is, What Do I Still Lack? What do I still lack? Uh, Good question, right? You know, this one question and the answer that follows Uh, tells us so much about Jesus and his expectation uh, and call for our lives. And uh, one thing I couldn't help but notice is, uh, you know, I feel bad for the rich young ruler. Because the rich young ruler, he gets such a bad reputation, right? Um, It's like he's so close, yet so far away. Um, But, uh, you know, I would venture to say the rich young ruler... Uh, is maybe even more righteous than many of us here today, right? To say that you've kept all these commands is an amazing feat. Uh, I'm blown away. You know, a few things that stand out uh, about this man. Uh, Three things in particular. He was a wealthy man. He followed the commands. And he wanted eternal life. And I thought about what would someone like this uh, someone like this, what would he look like today? And I thought, okay, a wealthy man. Uh, well, a wealthy man today uh, would probably live in America. Being one of the wealthiest nations on earth, uh, you know, it's amazing to see the, uh, the contrast between Americans and the rest of the world. So I would say a uh, rich young man probably would live in America today. The second thing, okay, followed commands. I imagine this morning uh, the rich young ruler would probably be at church. Uh, Maybe here, maybe at another church, but uh, the rich young ruler was probably a consistent churchgoer. And again, he wanted eternal life, so his focus was on the right thing. You know, I imagine uh, those three things, this description uh, probably describes every one of us here today. So if you're a church-going Christian uh, living in America that wants eternal life, this message is for you, all right? Uh, if you've recently committed murder, 
Uh, I want you to stay, but this probably isn't the message for you. You probably need another message for another time. You guys with me this morning? You know, I love this story because uh, every time I read this, again, I feel like Jesus is talking to me. Uh, You know, having grown up uh, in church, uh, you know, following, I'd like to say, most of these commands, uh, you know, even, uh, it's, it may be hard to consider myself rich, but again, thinking of how most of the world lives, uh, again, I feel like I can totally relate to this guy, and I'm sure you can probably relate to him as well. But uh, I feel like he's in a very tough position spiritually. And uh, the reason is, is just because he's content, right? You know, may not be on a mountaintop spiritually, uh, but doesn't necessarily feel like he's in danger either. And so if uh, that's you, you need to ask yourself, what do I still lack? And the first thing this question reveals is a desire for input. A desire for input. You know, the rich young ruler uh, has got to be one of the most courageous guys in the entire Bible uh, because it's not in our nature to ask a question like this, right? What do I still lack? You know, usually we want to ask questions like, uh, you know, what are my strengths, right? Or what am I good at? Um, but to ask a question like this, you know, it makes me think, I wonder what he, uh, what kind of response this man was expecting. You know, was he expecting Jesus to say, there's nothing else you lack, like everything's good, uh, come follow me, you're all right. Uh, was he expecting some type of input, some type of correction? We don't know for sure, but I think, again, either way, he had to have courage and humility to ask where he was falling short. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling most of us today may not have the courage to ask this question. You know, when was the last time you asked someone in your life what you were lacking? You know, at least the rich young ruler, again, he knew enough to seek input into his life. Um, Again, it's amazing how he gets such a bad reputation Uh, when it seems like he was on the right track. I'm going to read you a story. It says, uh, there's a story about an angel who showed up at a seminary faculty meeting. In order to honor the dean, who had been a man of unselfish and exemplary behavior, the angel said, God has, uh, the angel said, God has decided to reward him with his choice of limitless wealth, infinite wisdom, or unmatched beauty. Since the entire staff was on hand, the dean asked for advice. To a man, they all quickly agreed that infinite wisdom was the best choice. And so the dean chose to become the wisest man on earth. Done, the angel says. Uh, immediately disappearing in a cloud of smoke. Every head in the room turned to the dean. He sat perfectly still, surrounded by a faint halo of light. At length, one of his colleagues, uh, uh, one of his colleagues whispered, say something. 
They were all anxious to hear the words of the wisest man on earth. What wisdom would be given? Very slowly and carefully, he said, I should have taken the money. (laughs) Advice is so crucial in our lives. Uh, You know, the Proverbs remind us constantly of how important getting advice, getting input in our lives is. Um, But I want you to put your pins down for a moment and just listen to these verses. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, it says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 14, it says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Chapter 13, verse 10, Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. 1920, it says, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. And I like this last one, it says, Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. You know, although you may not be fighting a physical war, there is a spiritual war that we're a part of that's going on all around us. Who are your advisors that are getting you through this battle? You know, are you seeking input from people who will invest in you. You know, when I was in college, uh, I remember one of my campus leaders uh, telling me, he said, Jacob, I'll accept you where you're at, but I love you too much to let you stay there. And uh, talk about like a backhanded compliment, right? I'll accept you where you're at, but I love you too much to let you stay there. And I appreciate so much having men like that in my life to show me the things I didn't see myself. Let's turn to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. You know, the question is, okay, why, right? Why do I need input? Why do I need this discipling in my life? You know, when you don't get input, it can easily lead to idleness in your walk with God. Uh, you know, becoming idle or mediocre in uh, your walk with God can happen without ever realizing it. But keeping close discipling relationships is essential to helping you maintain growth as a disciple. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle. And disruptive, and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. You know, I find it amazing, okay? Paul calls us to avoid the idol, right? He doesn't say to avoid the murderer, or the adulterer, or the robber, or the liar, right? He says to avoid the idol. You know, what if we actually started living this verse out? Would people be avoiding you? You know, when I was uh, five or six years old, I think, 
my uh, twin brother and I were uh, out running some errands uh, with my dad and a, uh, a friend of his named Joe, and uh, he'll get a kick out of this story. We, uh, you know, we made a, uh, a stop somewhere, and uh, my dad told us, okay, wait in Joe's car, and uh, they were at this house standing out front uh, talking, and my brother and I, we figured it would be a good idea uh, to try and drive the car, right? And so we, we jump up in the front seat, and we're playing around, and uh, we're somehow managed to uh, release the parking brake. And uh, luckily, we were on a hill, so we started rolling down the hill, and uh, my dad and uh, Joe are running after us, and uh, you know, fortunately, uh, everything turned out fine, right? No uh, major injuries, no real damage to the car. Uh, I guess you got lucky. But uh, my dad came up to the window, and uh, of course, my brother and I are like grinning, like ear to ear. Um, and uh, the thing he said, <laughs> the thing my dad told me uh, we said when he came up to uh, the window is, "We drive Joe's car. We drive Joe's car." So, you know. Uh <laughs> but yeah, you know, I share that story with you uh, because. Uh, Anybody can roll a car down a hill, right? Uh, But it takes a little bit of wisdom uh, to actually drive a car. And uh, I think it's so easy for us to hit cruise control in our walk with God, uh, but it takes discipling to keep us from getting into a spiritual wreck. Again, you know, anyone can just roll a car down a hill, but it takes intelligence to actually drive a car. And I'm afraid if uh, we don't have input in our lives, again, we're just becoming idle and we will end up in a spiritual wreck if we're not careful. So, uh, So the question is, are you going after that input? Again, do you have a desire for input in your walk with God? You know, there's three types of people in the world. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what happened. Which one are you going to be? If you want discipling in your life, you've got to make it happen. You know, sometimes uh, the word discipling, I think, can put a, a bad taste in our mouths. Um, but uh, discipling is so essential to the walk of a disciple you know, we've got to be intentional in order to grow spiritually. You know, before uh, Janelle and I went into the full-time ministry, we, uh, we were in a uh, Young Married's Bible Talk up in the uh, north region of the church. And uh, great group. It was uh, super encouraging. We had a lot of fun together. Uh, always a great time, uh, except for one night. And uh, one night we decided to split up uh, men and women. Uh, the men went uh, outside to have a little D group and uh, sat around the patio table. Uh, and each of us took a moment in the hot seat. And uh, you, when you were in the hot seat, uh, we would go around and, and everyone else in the circle uh, shared with you what they saw in your character that needed to change. And um, it was interesting. Uh, you know, Guys were getting challenged on their pride, 
on their laziness, on their weight gain, uh, just about everything you can think of. And uh, when it came to my time in the hot seat, I remember one of the guys looking at me and he said, Jacob, you're too timid. And uh, I took a moment, thought about it, and all I could say was, you're right. Um, You know, I was the youngest guy in the group, had just gotten married, um, but he told me, okay, I got to stop being timid, right? Just because I'm younger than everybody else, um, you know, doesn't mean that I can't lead and can't step up. Um, So I went after it. I got serious and, and, you know, did what I could to try and change. And um, I would be very surprised if somebody told me they thought I was timid today. Um, that I don't think that's a, a, a part of my character. And I share that with you um, not to, uh, to, to lift myself up, but just to say it's amazing the uh, power that discipling can have in your life. You know, amen. You know, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear, or people who will tell you what you need to hear uh, uh, that are super shallow, right? Um, nothing goes real deep. Um, you know, maybe some of you had one of those D times yesterday um, where things were just kind of brushed under the rug. Um, maybe you're open about something and the other guy was like, well, I'm struggling with the same thing, so I- I'm right there with you. Who are you getting input from in your life. What do I still lack? The second thing, and I've only got two points in case you guys are starting to get worried. <clears throat> what do I still lack? You know, the second thing that stands out about this question is that it reveals a desire for commitment. You know, Jesus' answer to this question uh, is simple. Um, he desires commitment. And time and time again throughout the Bible, Jesus says this same thing in his ministry. And the the call is to give up everything, right? Give up everything. And unfortunately, you know, the rich young ruler wasn't the only one in the Bible to walk away sad. In uh, John chapter 6, you can go ahead and turn over there. John chapter 6, we see uh, this group uh, and again, it's, it's crazy to see time and time again, Jesus like gets this large group of followers uh, and then like whittles it down. In John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Skip down to verse 60, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And in verse 66, it says, From this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter gives us a little bit of hope. He He answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Again, you know, we find this 
happening repeatedly throughout the, uh, throughout the uh, Gospels. And, um, you know, Jesus calls people to total devotion time and time again. He wasn't afraid to, uh, to see people walk away because he was more concerned about a deep commitment over a large congregation, right? And, uh, you know, most churches today would say that Jesus' ministry method was ineffective, right? Uh, I think if, if Jesus was on staff, he may be fired. Um, seriously, I would be frustrated to have him in my ministry. Like, why are you driving people away, dude? But Jesus wasn't concerned with the quantity, but the quality of relationship with him. You know, you can have hours of quiet times under your belt, uh, but if you don't actually put them into practice, uh, rich young ruler, again, he kept all the commands, did everything right, but still wasn't totally committed. And uh, I find it amazing, you know, thinking about Judas, that Judas could spend all that time living with Jesus, but still not really connect with him. Are you just spending a lot of time with Jesus, or are you really building a deep relationship with him? You know, I appreciate uh, Pierre's lesson last Sunday. Okay, what did you think of the sermon, right? And, uh, you know, it's not about the, the number of Sundays you go to church, um, but about how many Sundays you're actually there. Um, maybe I'm the only one, but, I mean, there's times where I feel like I'm sitting out and I'm worshiping, but I'm not really worshiping. Um, it's a great question to ask yourself. What did you think of the sermon? Um, because that's the test, right? That's the test between quality of your connection with God and just adding to the quantity of another church service. Listen to this uh, quote on commitment. It says, 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence. Their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. Of the 56, five men were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two had sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ship sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and, pro and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, British General Cornwallis had taken over the home of Thomas Nelson uh, for his headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered for General George Washington to open fire on the Nelson home. The home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she lay dying. His 13 children fled for their lives, and his fields and mills were destroyed. For over a year, he lived in a forest and caves, returning home only to find his wife dead, his children vanished. And a few weeks later, he died from exhaustion. You know, this is what commitment looks like. 
These guys were totally committed to their resolve for the Declaration of Independence. You know, one thing that inspires me most in my walk with God is to see uh, men and women who've been disciples for many years. Uh, It's amazing and uh, encouraging to see guys that have been around for 10, 20, 30 years as a disciple. And uh, it's amazing. You know, uh, many of your friends have walked away and family have decided that the commitment is too much. You know, maybe, uh, maybe some of you are here today thinking, yeah, this call from Jesus to give up everything, it may be a little too hard. And I get it. You know, the story of the rich young ruler is in the Bible for a reason. Um, that walking away is an option. And again, Jesus left the option out there. Um, but he expected total commitment regardless. Um, you know, let me do this. Let me ask everybody who's been a disciple for uh, over 10 years to raise your hand. And uh, this one's for the campus students. Campus, I want you to look around at all the hands raised. Um, you know, this last week uh, we, we talked about discipling. Okay, you can put your hands down now. <laughs> we, uh, we talked about discipling. And so guys, I want you to look at the examples all around you. Look at the examples of men and women that were called to imitate in their faith. You know, these are the people you want to learn from uh, because they've been setting the example. You know, the exciting thing uh, about our campus ministry uh, is to see the potential. Because I'm telling you, this is a fireball of energy. Um, it's encouraging to, uh, to, to see their eagerness to dive into the word, uh, their zeal to share their faith. And, uh, and again, it's potential. It's scary potential. Um, because I'm imagining what type of impact these guys are going to have in 5, 10, even 20 years from now. Um, it's exciting. But how about the older disciples? What kind of impact will you have 10 years from now? Let me ask you, are your greatest days as a disciple all behind you? In Matthew chapter 28, we find a uh, a scripture we know well. In verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And, uh, and I read this verse because what I've noticed is that when somebody starts to compromise spiritually, right, and turn to more of a idle, mediocre walk with God— evangelism is the first thing to go. Uh, Every time, evangelism is the first thing to go. And this verse hasn't changed uh, in the last 2,000 years. Uh, Your conviction on it may have changed, uh, but the verse has remained the same. And 
you know, if you've got to pick one thing we may be lacking uh, as a church or in our region, I think it may be evangelism. And I think the discipling is going to help us to get there. But brothers and sisters, we, we've got to be serious about being devoted and being committed to our call as disciples. And I think about the reason I made the decision to become a disciple. And uh, I think about the commitment that I saw in the lives of the men who studied the Bible with me. And uh, I saw the give up everything, go anywhere mentality. uh, And I was blown away. You know, instead of being focused, instead of being focused on making disciples, uh, you got to ask yourself, is your focus just on making it to church, right? Um, we've got to have a desire for that kind of commitment in our lives. The expectation hasn't changed on what it means. Let's turn back to Matthew 19. We're close out here. Matthew chapter 19. And, uh, you know, I want to finish the story of the rich young ruler here. Because although he uh, went away sad... There's a little bit of uh, encouragement at the end. In, uh, in chapter 19, verse 23, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I love Jesus' response here, right? Did you guys catch it? Because he tells them, What I'm expecting is impossible. Right? He says it's impossible. Giving up everything is impossible. Right? That one thing you lack, okay, whatever you may feel like it is for you, evangelism, uh, discipling, sharing your faith, being open about sin in your life, it probably feels impossible uh, because Jesus says it is if you're trying to do it on your own. That it says, with God, all things are possible. And you know, that's the power of the God we serve right? He turns the impossible uh, into reality. And uh, so my challenge for you today as you leave is to attack the impossible in your life. You know, if you're uh, visiting with us today, let today be a defining moment in your walk with God. Let today be a decision day, right? Just like the rich young man was called to a decision. You know what? Jesus may be calling you to a decision today. Don't walk away sad like the rich young ruler, but have that desire for input and desire for commitment in your life. And whether you've been a disciple for 20 years or 20 days, I want to leave you with this challenge. Study the Bible with someone in the next month. Study the Bible with someone in the next month. Before June goes by, sit down, open up God's word, and get in someone else's life. If you really wanted it, you could do it this week. Amen?
Let's go to God in prayer.